0: Um, I want to look at something today that I have been reflecting on, something I've been quite personally challenged by, and I invite you to come on, reflect on it with me. Twice in the Bible, it says Jesus came. In 1 Timothy 1, it says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. That's why he came. In Matthew 11, verse 19, it says Jesus came eating and drinking. That was his methodology. That's how he did it. He came to seek and save the lost, and he did it, through eating and drinking. Now, I don't know about you, but immediately this sounds like a great idea that I'm very interested in and happy to jump on board with. So, I want to unpack these two things today. First of all, here it says Jesus' mission is to seek and save the lost. People who are lost aren't immoral or bad or unintelligent. People who are lost don't usually intend to be lost. It's not usually your intention to be lost, is it? And people who are lost are searching. They're looking for the path, the path back to the right destination. Many of you will be familiar with the name Eugene Peterson. He's famous for writing the message translation of the Bible, but he was also a pastor. And his son said his father actually only had one message throughout his life, and it was this, God loves you, he's on your side, he's coming after you, he's relentless. That's God's mission if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, know that God's mission is that you would know and experience his unrelenting, unconditional love. If you're here today and you have already experienced that love, then Jesus invites you to play a part in his mission. The mission in helping people find their way back to a life-restoring, life-giving relationship with God. We're invited to play a part there's a verse that's very famous in Matthew 28 where Jesus tells us, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We know it as the Great Commission. So here is Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost, and we're invited to play a part. But we read in the Bible that Jesus has this very simple methodology Jesus came eating and drinking. I think it's really simple, and I think it's very exciting. Jesus walked people into the kingdom of God one meal at a time. In the New Testament, we see that the gospel spread from home to home and from table to table, and it spread at his fastest rate in history. There was no marketing campaign. There was no social media manager. There was no clickbait Instagram post to draw you in. The good news of Jesus spread from home to home and from table to table, We see Jesus eating and drinking. This was his method. And as I say, I believe it's one we can happily and easily adopt as our own. The word in the New Testament for this eating and drinking, the word that's used is hospitality. And it's a huge theme throughout the New Testament. In 1 Peter, it says, be eager to show hospitality without grumbling. That's pretty tricky for those of us who are introverts here and would like people to leave 10 minutes after they've arrived. (laughs) And in Hebrews 13, it says, do not forget to practice hospitality to strangers. Hospitality is ordinary, but it's full of potential. Now, I want to be clear before I go any further that what we're talking about today is hospitality, not entertainment. When we think of hospitality, we think of good housekeeping magazine. We think of beautiful matching dinner sets. We think of beautifully decorated homes or a good range of recipes up our sleeves to impress our friends. But actually the hospitality that Jesus talked about was radically different. It was about open homes. It was about open invitations. It was storytelling. And it was from home to home and from life to life. The word hospitality in the Greek is the word xenia. Philo means love. And xenia is the stranger, the outsider, the guest. We're familiar with xenophobia, the fear of the outsider, the fear of the foreigner, but here we have this incredible concept. Jesus talks about the welcome, the love of the stranger, the love of the outsider, and that's what hospitality is. It's a welcome. Now, immediately, some of you are thinking of reasons why this isn't for you, or you're not able to engage in this, and for really good reason. Perhaps some of you still live with your family, perhaps some of you live in a small flat, Perhaps you live in a house share with housemates who haven't just discovered the joy of washing up and making the bed. Perhaps you have small children. But actually, hospitality isn't about having a great house. It's not about having matching dinner plates. It's not even about having enough space. Hospitality is essentially an attitude. It's a heart posture. Hospitality is a welcome. Hospitality is an invitation to do life together. Hospitality is our opportunity to share our experience of a God filled life. This is something I'm really passionate about, and I believe it's really simple to engage in. And I believe it works. I believe it worked in the first century when Jesus was eating and drinking with people in order to bring them into God's kingdom, but I also believe it works in 2022. I live on the Meriden. For those of you who aren't local, the Meriden is a council estate about five minutes that way over the A41. I've lived there for about 12 years, and I'm now on my fifth address. That's how much I love the area. keep moving there. Uh, I love the people. I love the variety of people, but I love the community that I found there. My favorite thing about living there is that people are really open to chatting and sharing, and it's really easy to get to know people. Well, 12 years ago, my friend had a room, so I moved in. And spurred on by my friend, but inspired by everything that I had read in the Bible, I set about looking at ways to explore how I could share my experience of a God-filled life with others. And pretty early on, I discovered the challenge was going to be time. I knew I needed to make time. I knew I needed to be available to chat, not constantly rushing off. I felt the need to be interruptible, Not so busy that I couldn't pause for a chat at the gate or I couldn't make time for a cup of tea with the old lady next door. But as I made time, I began to know faces and then faces became names and then people began to share their story and I began to share mine. Before long, neighbours became friends and friends actually became extended family. I had the opportunity to share my experience of a God-filled life with others and I had a lot of fun along the way. I believe that the hospitality that Jesus demonstrated is something we can all embrace in lots of different ways. So now I've set the scene, I want to unpack a few things in a bit more detail. I want to look at the why, the how, and I want to look at some practicalities. So first of all, why? Why is God's mission to draw people back to himself so important? Well, I don't want to um, depress us all on this lovely sunny Sunday in August, but for a long time we are all aware that we live in a world and a culture that is incredibly hurting and incredibly broken. We live amongst people who are seeking peace, who are looking for belonging, who are longing for acceptance. And most significantly, and the thing I'm aware of most right now, which is what really kind of focused my attention for this morning, is that we live in a culture of people who are so incredibly lonely. We know that loneliness has become a serious blight on our culture. Depression and anxiety are increasingly linked to loneliness, and people are not engaged in real relationships. Here's some stats from before the pandemic, so pre-2020. 2020 A government survey said that 86% of millennials, millennials are people in their 20s and 30s, people in their prime of life, 86% would say that they feel lonely on a consistent basis. Age Concern uh, published a study that said three quarters of the people in the UK over the age of 65, three quarters of them eat alone on a daily basis. A 2017 study showed that lacking social social connection is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It has actual physical health implications. And actually, this isn't just a national problem. We know it's a problem in Watford as well. Recently, the mayor of Watford, Peter Taylor, he said that loneliness is the biggest problem in Watford, even before parking. Well, those of you who are local and have ever tried to park off the St Albans Road, know that if parking is second on the list, then loneliness must be a major problem in our own town. But then, of course, the pandemic has come along and things are 100 times worse than they were. Many people still feel cut off from their friends and family. Social circles have dramatically decreased. More people are still working consistently from home. My husband used to go to the office five days a week. Now he still only goes in one day a week, maybe twice. So the majority of his week, the people he sees are on a screen. COVID made us physically close down our doors, lock down into our small groups. And I think the mentality of that is taking a long time to shift back. But what it means is that people in our workplaces, our schools, our streets, our communities, they are desperate for connection. They are desperate for a sense of belonging. They're desperate for hope. And maybe you're feeling it. Maybe as I'm talking about loneliness, you're feeling it. I've been feeling it. For a season coming out of COVID, I've been feeling really lonely. And I rationalise it and I think I'm surrounded by lovely people in my workplace and I've got this amazing church community. But I've had this long season of feeling lonely, feeling disconnected, not quite sure where I fit or where my place is anymore. And I think if I feel like that, how much worse for people who don't have this loving community to surround them. But of course... Jesus has an answer. Jesus is the answer. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And of course, the church should be the antidote to loneliness. In Psalm 68, it says, God sets the lonely in family. And the most common metaphor for the church in the New Testament is that of family, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, So let's look at how. How can we be part of God's mission to draw people back to himself? How can we be part of God's invitation that in him we can have life and have it to the full? Well, there's a very famous verse. Many of you will know it. Um, It's in John 13, verse 34. It's what I want to look at a little bit there now. I'll read it. It says, "'A new commandment I give you, love one another. "'As I have loved you, so you must love one another.'" By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a very famous verse. Many of you will know it very well, but the language around it is really important, particularly this first sentence, a new commandment I give you. Of course, people in the first century, when Jesus was first teaching, they would have been really familiar with the 10 commandments. Love God, do not commit adultery. This was their bread and butter. They knew it inside out and backwards. When the Messiah comes in the form of Jesus, all these people are expecting lots of new commandments, lots of new teaching, lots of new laws for them to follow. But in Matthew, Jesus tells people he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He's come to put flesh on the bones. He's come to explain this is what it means out to live out these things. This is what it looks like. And actually, in many cases, he made the law more difficult. In Matthew 5, he says, you have heard it say, do not commit adultery. I say to you, even if you look at someone lustfully, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So he hasn't come to abolish the law. He's come to fulfill it. But here he says, a new commandment. Everyone is all ears. He has got a captive audience. Commandments, we recognize them. We know what to do with them. We love commandments. And he says, love each other. This is the only new teaching he brings, the only new commandment. And what does he say? Love each other. As I have loved you, so you must love each other. I love the simplicity of that. Jesus teaches us that we are to love people. And as we love them, they will discover Jesus. So we start with people. We ask the Holy Spirit to highlight someone to us, not projects, not Instagram-worthy causes, but people, people in your everyday who might be lonely, people in your everyday who are searching for connection, people in your everyday who may be desperate to know the life-changing love of God. And when we find them, we begin to listen to their story, we find the story behind the stereotype, and we host a space where the Holy Spirit can be at work. We begin conversations that are not focused on ourselves, but focused on others. And we pray that Jesus would be revealed. I love this quote from Henry Nguyen. He's a bit of a hero of mine. He says, more and more, the desire grows in me to simply walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water, and be known as someone who wants to live with them. It's a privilege to have the time to practice this simple ministry of presence, Still, it's not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up with meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It's difficult not to have plans, not to organise people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their story and to tell your own and to let them know with words, handshakes and hugs that you do not simply like them, but truly love them. As we love people, they encounter Jesus. As we love people, they encounter a God of hope, a God of peace and broken lives are made new. Much of my reflecting on this topic recently has being because I came across a quote that I hadn't seen for a while. I absolutely love it. I always used to kind of reflect on it. And as I say, I hadn't seen it. And it really challenged me. It's by a writer. She writes under L.R. Nost. And she says, do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break. All things can be mended. Not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go. Love intentionally. Love extravagantly. Love unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in you. So, twice in the Bible it says Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission, and we're invited to play a part. But we also see that he came eating and drinking, this was his method- methodology. So finally, with the time I have left, I want to look at some practicalities. How do we love others that they might experience God's love? And what about the the practicalities around hospitality? Well, first of all, this isn't an ordinary love. Jesus tells us to go and love, but we are to love as he has loved us. Now, the New Testament continues to flesh this out in great detail, but there's a particularly famous verse that many of you will probably know, particularly when I say the words 1 Corinthians 13. Now, if you've ever been to a wedding, you are probably very familiar with the verse 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I have a little fun fact for you. I don't know if there is a competition for how many times you can do the reading at a wedding, but if so, you need to give up because I'm already in the lead. I'm in double figures now for the amount of times I have been asked to do the reading at a wedding. I think it's 12 And of course, it's a complete and utter privilege. What a joy to have done that for 12 separate couples. I think people think Helen's got good diction. You know, she's very clear in the way that she reads. We'll pick her, (laughs) as I say, an absolute joy. But I quite often get given this verse on love. And it's a beautiful verse on love. It's really important. But to read this verse in the context of the love between two people only is to completely take it out of context. Because actually this verse was written and it was describing how we are to love everyone around us, those in our communities, even the annoying ones. What does it say? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others and it is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So this verse is telling us how we're to love those that we find ourselves surrounded by every day. So if I was to read this in the context with perhaps some personal um, flavour thrown in, love is kind to my 90-year-old neighbour who lives next door and dares to shout at anybody who dares to park in front of her house. Love does not envy my neighbour who's getting free housing. Love does not dishonour others by repeating stories and problems that were told to me in confidence. Love always perseveres, even on the 15th attempt of trying. But this is how we're to love. Loving like Jesus isn't an easy kind of love. It can be challenging. It can be uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes it pushes our boundaries. But I always ask myself, what would Jesus do In a room full of people with different walks of life, whose table would Jesus choose to sit at? In a street full of houses with different stories to tell, whose house would Jesus visit first? Well, we know from the Bible he would visit those who are lonely, those who are hurting, those who are in pain, those who are struggling. And I don't know about you, but as far as it's practical and possible, I want to follow the lead of Jesus. But what's completely amazing, of course, God is a genius when he comes up with this stuff, because this plan to love others is brilliant, because love is reciprocal. Love isn't a one-way thing. There's no hierarchy in love. And so often, as we love people, we receive just as much love and just as much friendship. I've had such fun and such connection as I've loved people, but I've also seen Jesus revealed, and that's the difference. I've been able to um, experience friendship, but I've also seen Jesus revealed. Jesus came eating and drinking. Radically ordinary hospitality was central to the way of Jesus. In Hebrews 13, it says, do not forget to practise hospitality to strangers. So as I finish, I just want to look really briefly at what that might look like for us in Watford in 2022. Earlier, I said that hospitality translates as the love of the stranger or the welcome of the stranger. Hospitality is inclusive. Hospitality is tangible acts of love. Hospitality blurs the line between host and guest and at its best, it can become familiar and routine, a way of life. When my friend and I looked to start to get to know our neighbours all those years ago, there were some practical challenges. I knew I needed to make time. I needed to make sure that I could be interruptible. But to be honest, we just started to find any reason to gather. I think we gathered because it was snowing. I think we gathered because it was the Queen's birthday. I think we gathered because it was Wimbledon. And we started off in communal spaces because I lived in a flat. There was this weird shared garden thing. So we started there. But of course, after time, we all got to know each other. We became really familiar with each other. And we started in and out of each other's homes. And we ate and we drank together. But everybody contributed. Everybody would bring some food. Everybody helped with the washing up. Everybody who came to my flat knew where the plates and the bowls and the cutlery went because it wasn't entertainment. It was hospitality and the same way in their house. And sometimes it was squishy. It was a small flat. Sometimes it was messy. I'm not very good with mess. But it didn't matter we had the joy of creating community jesus was revealed and we had the opportunity to share our experience of a god filled life last year i moved house i moved half a mile down the road and things look very different for me at the moment for a number of different reasons i don't see my neighbors in the way that i did people have moved away and different things but here i am in my new house and i'm just asking the lord what's next what does this new season look for me look like for me By his grace, we've moved into the most incredible street already. We were added to the existing WhatsApp group within a couple of months of moving in. We had a brilliant jubilee party a couple of months ago. We had a great street party all together. And God has been so kind by putting us in the middle of an an existing community. I have to tell you that my front garden is amazing. I don't mean to brag, it might seem a little off topic, but uh, when I first moved in, the garden had been unattended for ages, so I took out all the old plants, I got lots of fertiliser, I did lots of gardening things that my mum was very pleased about that I suddenly had this interest, put in lots of new plants, and I'm always out there watering and weeding. And it's not because I enjoy gardening, but I wanted to be intentional. I'm continuing to want to be intentional because when I'm out the front, people stop and chat. People come over, they've all come up, particularly when we first moved in, everybody would come over, introduce themselves, have a chat, and I'm still out there. I go out there as much as I can. And of course now, faces have become names and people are beginning to share their story and I'm getting an opportunity to share mine. And my hope and my prayer is that in time, we will have the opportunity to share our experience of a God-filled life. So I encourage you to find a way to begin Particularly if you fall into one of the categories I mentioned earlier and you don't have your own home, use what God has blessed you with. If you do have your own home, is there a way you can welcome people into that space? Is there a way that we can create a space where God's spirit can be at work? Use your table as a place of blessing. But actually, Jesus didn't host many meals. He mainly gate crashed. So can we take a leaf out of Jesus's book? Can we begin with our cooking ability? Can we make, meal, make meals and drop them round for people? Can we ask someone else to host a gathering and we'll provide the food? Can we begin with food in a different way, finding a way of sharing food, gathering people at lunchtime, sitting in the staff room in a purposeful way? Can we begin by finding time, time to listen, time to sit, time to chat, time to tell stories? Can we begin by lending a practical skill? For a season of my life, my biggest act of hospitality was helping the 80-year-old lady who lived next door with her online Tesco order. I needed a lot of patience, but we had a cup of tea and a chat, and I knew that Jesus was at work in that space. I've been reflecting on all of this recently and working out what it means for me in my new house. And so with me, I invite you to reflect can I encourage you to do two things this week? First of all, pause. Look around your everyday, whether that's the school gate where you drop a child or the school gate where you're a pupil, whether it's your street or your workplace. Would you pause in that place? Don't rush off. Don't be defined by busy and ask the Lord to highlight someone to you. I wonder if the next time you walked into your school playground, your workplace or down your street and you asked yourself, how many people here are lonely, I wonder how that would change the way that you walk into that place the next time you're there. And I encourage you to make a plan. Think about one or two of the things that I've just mentioned, little plan, tuck it away, pop it in your pocket, but be ready to practice hospitality, the welcome of the stranger when the opportunity arises. Find a way to express the love of God through tangible acts of love. Find a way to talk. Some people are just looking for small talk. Other people are asking the big questions of life. Find a way to ask questions. Find a way to meet people where they're at and not where we think they should be at. And find a way to share your experience of a God-filled life. It seems to me that the hospitality that Jesus demonstrated and talked about is a very clear antidote to loneliness. And for those of you who, like me, are feeling vulnerable and lonely, remember genius, God's genius plan that love is reciprocal and we get back so much as we put in. I finish with this verse again. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Amen. Amen.